we do find that uh, just offering on demand or just offering asynchronous content also doesn't cut it. The best format we found is the format that actually mirrors education process in general. And so why reinvent something that has been working for centuries in a sense? Welcome to Virtually Live by Kaltura. Every week, we'll get into the latest and greatest in marketing, and specifically event marketing, audience engagement, and brand experience. To guide us through that, we've invited event professionals and marketing leaders from various industries. In this week's episode, Kaltura's product marketing manager, Amit Eshel, speaks to product marketing manager at Google, Roman Feminu, about how education functions as a key pillar in partner marketing programs and the importance of a cohesive event experience. Let's go. Hi, everyone, and welcome to CTA, Coffee and Takeaways Chats. Uh, my name is Amit Eshel, and I'm a product marketing manager here at Kaltura, and I'm joining you virtually live today from Tel Aviv, Israel. With me, Roman Femina, a product marketing manager from Google. Roman, where are you joining us virtually live from today? Hi, Amit, and hi, everyone. Uh, I'm joining you from Google's office in uh, London today. It's pretty bad weather, but uh, we're managing. Roman. Uh, tell us a little about your current role at Google and please let us in on the premier uh, digital cham- champion uh, program that you are leading. Sounds good. Hi, everyone. Uh, I work in Google's ads marketing uh, division and my job is to support third parties which resell Google ads uh, to their clients. They are a significant part of our business and we want to make sure that they understand our products and solutions, that they trust them to work and they see Google as a strategic partner on that uh, journey. And Google Partners is the wider program that does that. And Digital Champions, which is the product I'm working on, is part of the Google Partners program. So Digital Champions is an advanced education program for our key practitioners in those top agencies. And it provides them with an annual learning journey where they get to know the latest and greatest about Google's product solutions. Interesting. And one of the key pillars of the program is actually um, education. So what does it mean in practice? Education comes, of course, in all shapes and sizes. And Google is a huge organization. So we do need to think about uh, any element of education from the extremely scaled to the extremely high touch. On top of this, we also see the need to build more advanced and more sort of live and sometimes semi-live uh, content that is covering more advanced implementations, that is covering for more recent products, and that ultimately allows our third parties to be in the know about everything that is going on. So Digital Champions, of course, is the latter kind of program. Uh, it actually takes this education one step on top as well uh, by making it an even more premium experience for the agencies. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And what can you tell us about the challenges by um, delivering advanced training to your largest partners? I mean, do you have to think specifically about a different thing compared to other partners when it comes to them? I, I, I do think so. Yes. Uh, so we primarily, of course, prioritize the work with uh, the top partners who tend to be uh, on the larger side and tend to have a lot of priorities. So it comes with a few consequences. And first of all, it's the fact that whichever education initiative you have, it's quite unlikely that the entire partner's team will go behind it. So what we are realizing is the most you would expect is three to five people from an agency, from a team of, let's say, 40 or 50, in the best case scenario, will dial in to consume your educational offering. And the second piece there, which I think exacerbates it even further, is that 
all of those companies are also very often high priority clients for some of our competitors. And those competitors, of course, will do their best to promote their education, um, their education programs to these third parties and agencies. So you really need to try and do your best to stand out uh, for those agencies and make sure that they know your programs, that they trust your programs, and that out of the plethora of offerings that they're bombarded with every day, that they actually choose Google's education. Creating and managing uh, educational content from your side is actually a crucial goal for uh, engaging the program's agencies and advertising professional audiences. Now, what do you find more effective when it comes to different formats of educational content? I mean, has blending asynchronous with uh, live content proven more successful for uh, from an engagement standpoint? Mm -hmm. Good question. Um, we have been exploring both live and asynchronous and actually fully on-demand uh, content as well. And we're finding a few things. First of all, education needs to happen across the entire agency or third-party ecosystem. It's not just for implementation education that I'm in charge of, but it's also for decision makers to understand the trends in the industry and so on. And what we're finding is that the more senior the audience is, the less likely they are to respond to anything that is not live. But even with the implementation focus and the education focus more on the practitioner side, uh, we do find that uh, just offering on demand or just offering asynchronous content also doesn't cut it. I guess the final point that I want to make here is that the best format we found is the format that actually mirrors education process in general. And so why reinvent something that has been working for centuries in a sense? Uh, and that involves a combination of, let's say, on demand content, the equivalent of homework, and live content, which is the equivalent of actual learning uh, during the lectures. And then on top of this, we add a few extra elements, such as, for example, the quizzes to show that they've um, that they've actually understood the content of the program. We add the train the trainer element where we ask them to then go and spread the knowledge to their teams. And something I'm very excited about is that we've also added the leaderboard, which is magical when it comes to making people feel like they're part of a learning community, but also making them feel like they're doing very well. Uh, we don't even need to offer any prizes beyond bragging rights for being number one on the leaderboard. People just naturally like that competitive element of the programs and they tend to be engaged much more. You told me you found a lot of value uh, by um, moving from a fragmented uh, event experience like on and offs and uh, individual event pages and et cetera uh, to a more cohesive annual journey. Now, can you tell us a little more about that and how it impacts engagement? Uh, yes, 100%. Annual journey is definitely a preference for us when it comes to running education activities or I suppose any kind of uh, digital and live stream activities. And there are two reasons for it. I think one of them is that you uh, put yourself into specific limitations that actually become a blessing. You are committing to an annual journey and thus you're committing to a specific program format, to a specific way that it is going to be presented. And thus you create stronger recognition of your education brand or of your education offering with the agency. And second here is the elements of the education that I referred to earlier in our conversation, such as, for example, the leaderboard. Um, there are some things that do not make sense when they appear as one-offs, like what would be the point of a leaderboard when you're just running one education session? But if you're running an annual program and if throughout this journey you see people kind of going ahead, being overtaken, going behind, that's where the leaderboard suddenly starts to make sense. Um, and because of this, you just have a lot more tactics that you can implement to increase engagements with an annual journey. 
we are so intimately acquainted with our marketing programs that we think that even very small changes are going to be super noticeable and are going to cause a lot of friction with our clients. Well, in reality, our clients do not dedicate as much time to them. They don't know the program so well. So very often they do not even bother or they do not raise their voice when some change happens and they usually take it out. Okay, that's fine. And um, we had a few examples of this. Uh, I think especially when the pandemic hit, uh, we were just about to launch a huge education uh, live stream seminar, which was supposed to go on for a week. And there were a lot of questions and a lot of uh, differing opinions about how we should be approaching this. And there were some voices which said, we should just cancel this because this doesn't come on time and this will be just perceived very badly. Uh, we ended up doing something different. So we ended up just cutting out a few sessions that became less relevant. We ended up re-recording -re our intros to show that we do care about the current situation in the world and that the content is hopefully going to help our customers. And as a result, we actually got very positive feedback. Uh, customers actually appreciated the fact that we delivered something so quickly after the pandemic hit, and they couldn't be bothered, I suppose, about the fact that from our perspective, we only delivered, let's say, 60% of the content that we plan to deliver initially. Thank you. That was interesting. And just before we wrap up, it's time for myth busting. So uh, can you tell us about the greatest uh, event or uh, marketing myth that you found out was wrong the hard way? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, that was the idea of A-B testing and as a consequence, incrementality measurement. I think when you start out, you assume that incrementality can be very easily measured and you can always run an A-B test. And down the line, you discover quite a lot of things that make it basically impossible. So to start with, the first thing you learn is that to have a proper A-B test with the right confidence intervals, you actually need a very significant number of data points. And even though we are a large company, um, I am in B2B marketing and not B2C, so our audience is naturally much smaller. And sometimes even the size of the audience, taking the full size of the audience, would not allow you to do proper and confident A-B testing. Even more important than this is the fact that it requires, of course, a control group. And uh, very often that would mean that you would have to exclude some of the customers who are actually very relevant to your business from participating in the activities just for the sake of measuring what that performance will look like. Thank you, Roman, for joining us today virtually live. This gave us a lot of food and coffee for thought. Thank you. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks. Thank you, Roman Faminu and Amit Eshel for joining us today. And thank you for tuning in. To give you a little taste of what's coming next week, here's seven questions and events with Rakuten's VP Events, Sarah Gorlick. Welcome to seven questions and events. Seven questions with industry expert, Sarah Gorlick. No time to waste, let's go. Um, Sarah, what's the one thing you want your attendees to get out of your events? The number one thing I would want them to get out of the event is that they walk away and feel like they spent their time in a valuable way. I think that people are taken in all different directions today, and so value is the most important thing. Good answer. What's your favorite way to engage with your audience? So my favorite way to engage is, this is just more direct to the point, but I love being at registration when I can. I love welcoming guests and getting their badges. Um, the first impression is my favorite way to engage with them. Who would your dream keynote speaker be? No restrictions. <laughs> okay, so my dream keynote speaker <laughs> would be Dak Shepard and Monica Padman from Armchair Expert. 
it's no one very specific. What? <laughs> a very interesting and specific answer. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I should do some more like historical or something <laughs> like a little bit more. Uh, yeah. But Daksha and Monica Padman, I love them. And in my dream scenario, I would interview them in a fireside chat. So That's awesome. Which trend in virtual events are you most looking forward to? Um, the trend in virtual events that I'm most looking forward to, I love when... There are virtual events with big names and the attendees get to have an intimate discussion with them. They get to engage with the big name that they wouldn't get to do when that person was on stage. Also, just really interesting conversations, getting a panel together of four people that typically wouldn't be on stage together and having some sometimes, you know, challenging conversations on the screen. Awesome. Um now for a recommendation. What's an event marketing pitfall people should watch out for? So I would say right now, one of the biggest ones is it, uh, unusable swag. Like it's giving swag just for the purpose of giving swag without it being something that folks are going to use in their home or in their daily life. So I would say that's the biggest pitfall, you know, a giving one. a generic coffee cup. <laughs> a pen should, yeah. should come to an end. A pen that's not that great. Yeah, it should all come to an end. <laughs> What's your go-to source for personal development in terms of events and marketing? Okay, so can I say my own book? <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> Lucky Box Cutter on Amazon and Rocketon Kobo uh, is great for personal development. Uh, I also... Uh, for, for, for professional development, the Vendry has an amazing network of event planners. So I think that's great for professional. Uh, and then personal, like anything Oprah, you know, it's always good. So <laughs> And joining a good Slack, a community Slack channel sounds like a, a great um, yeah. source. <laughs> yeah, you have to join it. It's great, community Slack channel. Great. Um, the best part, shout out another event bro. Yeah, so I was going to shout out Christina Lijak and Kayla Maley. They are on the event team with me at Rocketon, and they are star event planners. So shout out to them. Shout out to you. Thank you so much. This was, again, amazing. You killed it. Um, Thank see you. Soon.